Amen. Well, whether you are online or in person, Jesus is on the move. Amen. I want to make sure we understand this. Say it with me. Jesus is on the move. Come on. Can you say it with me? Jesus is on the move. It is incredible to watch him work and and to know that, that God is with us and he's inviting us further and deeper and to walk with him. And that's the series we're starting today is Walk With Me. It's an invitation that as I prayed a couple of months ago, I felt strongly God was saying that, that there's this series, this, this movement I want to invite people into that's really saying, walk with me. That it's saying, walk with Jesus, the good shepherd. That, that Jesus, in fact, is what we hope you catch before you catch church. Oh boy. Oh boy. My religious folks are like, what? He said that he's not worried about us catching church? No. Because if you catch Jesus, if you understand who Jesus is and you walk with him, he says, hey, look around. You got some new brothers and sisters called, called the church. But often we get that backwards. And there's this invitation to walk with Jesus. And I got to tell you, church, we have, as of this morning, 10 people signed up for baptism next Sunday. Praise God for what he's doing and how he's moving. And we're so excited about that. Today, as we get into this series, Walk With Me, uh, we will be looking at John 10 a little bit and a lot of Psalm 23 over the next few weeks. And, and Psalm 23 is one of those passages that for some of you is going to be familiar. And you're going to have to invite your heart and mind and, and even ask the Lord to say, give me fresh eyes, fresh ears, because I believe he's got something new to reveal to all of us through this. But the phrase for today is good enough. Can you say that with me? Good enough. I, I don't know what that means to you today, but have you ever had some of those just good enough moments some of those moments that, that come up where, where you just do enough, right? Like, I, I will tell you, I am not the most handy person. My wife is uh, online right now saying amen. <laughs> All right? I am not the most handy person, and so often I'll get the job done just good enough, right? And, and so I maybe don't do as much or go as far as I could in some areas, and, and some of us can relate to that. Like, we just do enough, and sometimes when we're just doing good enough, we can associate that with how we view God. We can just begin to think that maybe God is just good enough. That maybe he's just okay and just enough. Or maybe for you, your just good enough moments are more like some of mine growing up. Where, where you didn't necessarily feel just good enough. That, that you didn't feel that, that others saw you and cared about you and, and, and saw you in a way that, not in my home, but outside of my home where I just didn't necessarily feel good enough. And, and, and what happens when you live in that for too long is suddenly you begin to live out of broken stories, broken narratives, things that you're telling yourself that maybe aren't exactly what God has for you. One, one of those for me, I, I love speed. I love to move fast. Keep me away from motorcycles, church, okay? Because I'll get just good enough that I think I know what I'm doing when I really don't, right? And so I love speed. And so the idea of slowing down to walk, 
right? The idea of growing at a pace that is God's pace, not Brian's. Because I've had to look at why, do, why is that motor there? Why do I want to rush? Why is it that I compare? Why is it that I want to maybe be something other than what God has actually called me to be? I've been cycling around town, and uh, it's a great way to get to know a new community. It's a great way to pray. Uh, it's also a great way to uh, just experience the, the, the amazing sun of Florida. I'm from Michigan. We had sun 60 days out of the year up there, okay? And so I am just loving it. And, and I've get, been getting a little bit better and a little bit. I switched bikes, and, and my speed's getting a little better. And so I, I had a moment yesterday riding my bike where I passed a real cyclist. And, and, and it was a moment where I was like, I felt like a hero. And it was like, and this dude's probably on mile 40 and I'm on mile four, but he doesn't know it, I don't know it. I'm just like, this is my, like, I'm good enough, right? And so I pass him and then I have almost like this panic inside of he's behind me. <laughs> and so I'm just going. And I'm going, and I don't want to look over my shoulder because that would, like, communicate that maybe I didn't believe I could do this, okay? And so all this old stuff from, like, my past is, like, welling up. And I get four miles down the road, and I'm still being driven by the wrong thing, right? I'm still trying to compete. I'm still trying to be good enough to have passed this guy. And and I look behind me, and he had ghosted me. He was gone, wasn't even around, and here I am trying to compete with nobody. And I just wonder how many of us are running a race in life that is based on something inside of us that God's saying, hey, that, that right there, I want to slow you down to walk with me. I want to heal that. A few years back, I was going through a very difficult and discouraging time as a pastor, as a leader. I was just down and discouraged. And it was in that moment that somebody loved me enough to point to me. It was another pastor that, that pointed to me, you know, at my, at my chest at, a, at an altar. I, I had actually left my seat and come up to an altar at this event for pastors. And they said, you've, you've got a lot going on inside. There's a storm brewing inside of you. They saw something that, that I couldn't really f- say, but I felt it. You ever been there? And, and it was. There was something going on inside of me that I couldn't explain. And they said, whatever that is, you're not trusting the goodness of God right now. That, that in the season you've been through, the things you've gone, gone through, that you're not trusting. And, and the person was absolutely right. I had believed that God was just good enough. But I had lost sight that Jesus is good enough. That he is good and he is enough. See what I did there? That he's good to his core. That no matter what we have been through, he is good and he's enough. And that's been the last few years for me of walking with Jesus and discovering his healing and the freedom he brings, discovering his goodness again. Let me show you what Jesus said in John chapter 10. 
Verse 10 and 11, and in fact, the first 10 verses, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is literally owning that he's good and he's the good shepherd. And then in verse 10, he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You want a description of Satan's job description? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. That, that's literally what the enemy is out to do. And I just wanted, I, I felt this morning as I was praying, I needed to share with you that oftentimes our barrier to God's goodness is we're blaming the wrong person. We're blaming the wrong name. We're blaming God for things that are a part of the enemy's job description. And so it's hard to see the goodness of God if you're assigning the blame to the wrong name. So he says very clearly that you have an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. The things we go through, the hardships, the difficulties, those all come from an enemy. And then here's what he says about himself. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That Jesus, in fact, came to give abundant life and laid down his life for us. N.T. Wright, a, a modern theologian and author, says this about this particular passage. He says, the promise of full life, full to overflowing, is as relevant for us today as it was then. The modern Western world has discovered un, how unsatisfying materialism really is and is looking for something more, something beyond. Many thieves have told lies and have deceived the sheep, stolen them and left them for dead. The call today to Jesus' true sheep is to listen for his voice and to find in him and him alone the life which is overflowing life indeed. Jesus invites us to walk with him and experience life abundantly. And I believe that we're going to be able through this series, but even through what we're hearing today, arrive at a beginning point, a moment of saying that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is good and he's enough. Can you say it with me? Jesus is good enough. Not good enough in the way that you and I might have cut corners. Not good enough in the way that makes you feel you have to live up to something, but good enough in the way that says, I love you. There is nothing you have done, nothing that you have even done today or you've done in your past or you've been through that you have to hide from me. You can bring it all to me because I am good and I'm enough to heal every broken and hurting part of us. Every compartment, every area, our God says, I am ready to enter in and to give you life and life overflowing, life abundantly. Church, I'm excited about what God is doing and where we're headed. As I mentioned, we're going to be unpacking Psalm 23. So let me read it to you in its entirety, starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk, say even though. Okay, he's about to get real. He's about to say, hey, you're going to go through some things. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, what? Okay. This, this life that he gives us overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today we focus on verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when we begin to think and, and hear that Jesus is good enough, we can say with confidence that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And I want to break this down for us today and help us understand it in a deeper way that Jesus is the Lord. It begins with this statement that Jesus is the Lord. That Jesus isn't just our Savior. Yes, he's the Messiah. Yes, he's the one who came to deliver us and to save us. But he's so much more. He is the Son of God, fully God and fully man. He is Yahweh in the flesh. He is the Lord. Jesus is our Lord. And when we begin to understand this, we begin to realize that this is probably why David began this psalm, the writer David, who was a shepherd and a warrior and a king. Somebody who had walked with God and saw God use him in miraculous ways. And I think part of why he opens this, uh, one of the most famous pieces of literature, not just the, in the Bible, but literature in general, Psalm 23 is, is he saying, listen, he's my Lord. He's the one in control. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one that has the plan that I'm following. And y'all, that's not real popular, is it? Because we like to be in control. Anybody else? Anybody else? Y'all, don't leave me up here by myself. <laughs> we like to be in control. And what David is beginning with in this psalm about the goodness of God through all of the ups and downs and who he is as our shepherd is, listen, he is Lord. He is the one that, that has actually got the plan and that is in control. And what's amazing about that is, you know, there can be a swing, right? We can go so far that God is distant, detached, and he's wholly other, which he is. But on the other end of that, we can get to a place where that God came and dwelt among us, and he's real, and he's relatable, and you know what? He's my homeboy. And here's the thing. On this end, Jesus is holy, and on this end, we can almost lose sight of his holiness and see him as our homeboy, as our friend, as our buddy, whatever language you might use. And in, within this spectrum is a God who says, listen, I'm both. And for some of us, we need to be reminded, even as we sang today in worship, that he is holy and he is our Lord. And what he did for us is amazing. Who he is, how he shows up, is absolutely incredible. So the Lord is my, he says. So Jesus is my, and, and, and here's 
what, what David is saying is it's per, it is personal. He's saying he's the Lord and he's mine. I've made a declaration. I've made a decision that Jesus is mine and I'm not ashamed. You may be afraid to be bold with your faith in this day and age. And I'm praying that we are bolder than ever before. Did you know in Acts chapter 4 they prayed for boldness? That you and I would not be ashamed to say, Jesus is my reason for living. Jesus is my reason for showing up. Jesus is my reason to do more than enough. That he's enough. And because of that, I show up differently in the workplace. I show up differently in the home. I show up differently in my community. Because Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, talk about boldness. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. What's the power of God? The gospel for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He's saying Jesus is my shepherd. Paul's saying the good news I am not ashamed of. He is bold. He isn't afraid of cancel culture, y'all. Some of you paying attention? The message of Jesus is needed more than ever in in this day and age. But there's a growing fear of getting canceled for the things that we believe. Maybe the issue isn't the message, but how we've been delivering it. Maybe, in fact, if we got bold in our faith and did it with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, maybe if we showed up in a way that people saw the gospel lived out in a people, we would have nothing to be ashamed of. They would actually be lining up to find out what's in you, because I know you, and you are a mess. And there's something different that you have that you didn't have a few years ago, and because of that, I want what you have, and I need it. Church, there is a walk that Jesus has for us where we can boldly declare he is. He is mine. I'm telling you, he's going to use you in ways you didn't even see coming when you get over the fear of others and people approval. This isn't in my notes, but I just, I just kind of feel led to tell you. I, I public speak. <laughs> you can judge whether I do it well or not. But I can tell you it's, it's to my core the thing that scared me the most at age 18. I can literally remember as a captain of one of our teams at homecoming being asked to deliver a speech publicly. And I was so afraid of public speaking that I wrote it on a three-by-five card. I got up, and we weren't having a winning season, so I didn't have a lot of great things to say anyway. But I got up, and I was so scared of people's approval so scared of the moment that I was done in less than 30 seconds. I sat down and we all sat together for the most awkward moment in homecoming history. What you see today is not because of me. Not what I would have chosen 
not what I felt able to do. But when you begin to really follow Jesus, he begins to work under the surface. He begins to help you to see how not to be afraid of what others think but to be willing to be bold. And who knows where that will lead you. It may lead you into a a place like what I'm doing, but it will lead all of us into sharing our faith out there where it's needed most. Amen? And so he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Let me tell you a little bit about this. We don't understand shepherding the way they did. And first, in, in the first century, especially in Jewish culture, shepherding was something that they would have been able to relate to because they saw shepherds all around them. Shepherds were people that got close, that, that were there, that were people that guided the flock, often out in front of it. They would help protect the flock. That staff was for guidance, but also could be used as a weapon if needed to protect the flock from predators. So they would guide the flock and the flock would follow. Did you know Jesus calls us sheep, by the way? He's the good shepherd. They also would provide for the flock. They would help the flock find water and rest and nourishment. This is what a good shepherd does. They guide, we follow. They provide. That's why it's so important that we understand where our resources really come from. God is our provider. As I said, they would also protect. Jesus in John chapter 10 would talk about that a hireling, when the wolf comes, would run. But a good shepherd, they would often sit in the gateway of of the space that they had allocated for their sheep. They wouldn't have a physical gate. They would be the gate. And by being the gate, they could make sure that nothing would come in and out. That if a predator came, they would have to get through that shepherd to get to that flock. Aren't you glad Jesus does that for us? Shepherds were also available. It wasn't a job that often people would say, oh yeah, sign me up for that. There was no off switch. There was no lunch breaks. There was no HR department to go to. It was not constant, being available, being around, being with the flock, being present. And this is what he's saying is, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all of that to me. I had a funny moment a couple weeks ago. I, uh, as I said, I like to sometimes, you know, take risks and try things, and I love speed. And so a friend took us out on the inlet on jet skis. And uh, I'm just good enough on a jet ski, right? And so they said, hey, we're going to go over to the Sebastian Inlet, and we're, you want to follow me, we're going to go out the inlet. Now, some of you know there's something called Monster Hole out there. And if you're not from Florida and you're watching online, it's uh, pretty ridiculous. I didn't realize what I was getting into. Nine-foot swells that day. Nobody else out on the water but us. That should have been a sign. (laughs) Tourists lining up, fishing, watching, thinking they're watching two experts on jet skis. They were watching one, one really dumb sheep. (laughs) 
And so I followed him out there, and, and, and I literally, in my head, I'm thinking survival. So, you know, legs like this, like, and, and everything's about survival. And all I know is if I can mimic exactly what this person in front of me is doing, I should be all right. I should be okay. And so that was cool until the first swell, and we go up, and they're gone. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. We don't have waves like this, guys. <laughs> and so, so I'm watching and I'm learning and following the person that's leading me, the, the shepherd, if you will. And, and, and they disappear and I'm like, oh no. And so I just kind of try to mimic what I see. And, and we're out there for about 10 or so minutes. And the moment they look at me and say, you want to go back? I'm like, yes, please. Like, come on, get me out of here, right? So, so I didn't tip over, I survived it, and we're coming back through the inlet, and things are slowing down, and I, I'm feeling a lot safer. And, and I look at them, and I said, man, that was incredible. I cannot believe we just did that. And they looked at me, and there was kind of this moment of saying, yeah, I can't believe we did either. That was a lot worse than I thought it was today. Now, I love this person to death. That's why I'm not using their name. <clears throat> But that's the difference between an earthly leader and a heavenly. <laughs> you see, God isn't surprised by the ups and downs or what's out there. When we follow the good shepherd, he is sovereign. He sees it all. He's not surprised by the things coming or the things that are coming against us. He's there in the midst. He is that peaceful presence that we're often longing for. That one that invites us to trust him and to walk with him and to be with him. And this is why the walk with Jesus is so, so incredible. I, I want to share with you again what this means for them that were hearing this. Listen to these words out of Ezekiel 34 about a, a shepherd, which was different than the kings they were used to. They were looking for a powerful king and leader and Jesus is showing up. As a good shepherd. And it was the plan from the beginning. Here's what it says in Ezekiel 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel." I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make myself make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them in justice. Jesus is a good shepherd. Aren't you glad we have a God who says when you are lost, when you are hurting, I will seek after you? I will find you. I will bind you up. I will help you renew. I will help heal you. And what we are willing to bring to God is often the very place where he'll begin. What we reveal, he can heal. 
And so I don't know what's underneath the surface, but notice what David said next. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he said something most Americans can't say, so I'm not going to ask you to say it. I shall not want. You see, he was saying that there is this deeper issue we all have of contentment. And in America, we struggle with this. Consumerism versus contentment. That in fact, did you know 70% of our economy is based on consumption? Let me just share with you a couple of facts really quickly. Because if Jesus is going to be our shepherd, and we're going to say, I shall not want, we need to find a place of trusting him, of allowing him to be enough, of being content. So 70% of our economy is based on our spending. Marketing alone in our country spends around $230 billion a year on advertising, which is designed to create a desire in us to consume more. That's half of the entire world's spending on advertising. The average American home has 300,000 items in it, according to the LA Times. 23% of adults pay late fees on bills because they lose them. So we're consuming and we can't even keep track of the bills. I see some of you smiling. One out of four houses with a two-car garage keeps so much stuff in it, they can't even fit a car in the garage. Any other hoarders in the house? On average, every American throws away over 68 pounds of clothing per year. 68 pounds. And Americans spend about $1.2 trillion a year on non-essential items. There is a difference between our wants and our needs. Said every parent to every five-year-old ever. <laughs> and yet here we are. Right? Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. For you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's leave that up for a moment because some of you, verse 13 is your jam. You're like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And I'm not saying that he can't do that. But notice the context of the verse. The context of the verse is actually based on contentment. That, that Paul is saying, listen... We're going to be faced with wants and needs. And through Christ's strength, I've learned how to be content. Woo! That I can be strengthened by God to be content. And that contentment isn't necessarily based on our circumstances. And, and this is the beauty of a relationship and a walk with Jesus. When we really get a clear picture of who he is, we can start to be so content in life that the circumstances don't derail us. 
It's actually um, a story of a woman that many of you know, Joni um, Erickson Tata. Joni, when she was 17, in a diving accident, tragically was paralyzed. And she would spend, you know, the next 50, 60 years telling people about Jesus from a wheelchair. Many of you have been impacted by her programming, Joni and Friends, and her ministry. And, and you talk about just a contentment and a joy in the Lord. And I love her honesty because on her wedding day, things didn't go exactly like she had hoped they would. She married Ken that day, and in that day she tells the story of how they wheeled her in in her wedding dress in the wheelchair that she realized sitting there that, that the bouquet had moved on her lap, that, that now with her hands paralyzed, she couldn't move it back. So you ever wanted a picture to just be right? This was before filters and all the other stuff we use. And so she couldn't move it. She also is sitting in what she describes what felt like a rose, rose parade float. It's this wheelchair when she would desperately love to walk. But on top of that, her white dress, she realized in that moment that there was a black grease stain from the wheel. And so here she is just feeling kind of beat up and down about herself and in this moment. Here's what she says happened next. She says, I spotted him way down front, standing at attention and looking tall and elegant in his formal attire. My face grew hot. My heart began to pound. Our eyes met, and amazingly from that point, everything changed. I looked no, how I looked no longer mattered. I forgot about all my wheelchair, grease stains, flowers out of place. Who cares? No longer did I feel ugly or unworthy. The love in Ken's eyes washed it all away. I was the purse and perfect bride. That's what he saw, and that's what changed me. It took great restraint not to jam my power stick into high gear and race down the aisle. I just love her heart. And when she got a picture of her groom, some of us, God is inviting to get a clear picture today of who Jesus is, of what he's inviting you into that you feel kind of like she did. You feel a little beat up, a little battered. Maybe you're questioning the goodness of God, or maybe you realize that you've had so many things you've wanted that there's a ton of clutter between you and the Lord right now because you have so many desires for things other than him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is where I close today, and it speaks directly to this in a powerful way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so closely clings or which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to who looking to Jesus as she saw her groom Ken we look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus is the good shepherd, and when we look to him today, everything else pales. We can let go of our sin. We can let go of our baggage. We can let go of our hurts. We can let go of the things that we have been holding on to. So let me give you a couple next step challenges. One is will you look to Jesus today and let go of and you fill in the blank. You know what it is. It may be a storm inside of you. It may be something that has been a barrier. Maybe you've been seeing the beat up church instead of the beat up Jesus on the cross. Maybe you've been so beat up by church and hurt that you can't see Jesus anymore. I don't know what it is that you're facing or carrying today, but he does. So will you look to Jesus and let go? Secondly, will you confess any lack of trust? Any lack of trust and declare that Jesus is good and he's enough. That Jesus is good enough. And will you commit to following Jesus' lead? He is Lord in all things. Walk with me as I walk with Jesus. I want to pray over you. I want to ask, in fact, right now in this moment, let's all stand together. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is so clear that we look to Jesus and let go. So right now in this moment, we're going to head into a time of worship. We have a prayer team available up here at either altar. And you know that when we look to Jesus, we can lay down anything at his feet. Anything we've been holding on to, anything that's been holding us back. Some of us, you have a relationship with Jesus, but it is so cluttered and clouded right now. And he's saying, I'm good. Will you lay it down? I'm not asking you to go run a marathon right now. I'm just saying, in this moment, will you look to him and let go? And that might mean for you that you need to take a few steps in this room to come forward to the altar, to pray, to be prayed for. But I never want us to be a church that hears and walks away. We want to respond. We want to be hearers and doers of the word. Amen. So Father, in this moment, whether we're online or in person, we know that Jesus, you are good and you are enough. That you are our shepherd and we shall not want. Forgive us for all of the times that we hold on to things instead of looking to you. So right now, Jesus, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. May this be a time of laying it down, surrendering to you. I pray in this room and online that we would see people going further with you and walking with you in new ways. We thank you. This is your moment, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.
chorus to him again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. feels so good to be in his presence, doesn't it? To just know you're safe, you're seen, you're heard. The Lord sees you and loves you. You can come out of hiding. Whatever you've been hiding, whatever you've been holding, you can bring it to him. He's not afraid of it. Doesn't offend him. Unconditional love, mercy, and grace is the invitation. And he says, hey, walk with me. Walk with me. You can trust me. I'm not like those earthly leaders. I'm not like those people that have harmed or hurt you or that you think you're against right now. These next few weeks are going to be incredible. As we hear Jesus saying, I'm good enough. If you're in here and he's stirring your heart and you just couldn't come forward during the song, as soon as we release here in a minute, I want to invite you to come up. Our team will stay available. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. That knock on your heart. Did that just really happen? We do not have special effects. That's so hilarious. I, I, I'll just tell you this. I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes and I'm going to pray for us. Okay, I promise. Um, as we're preparing for this morning, that song fit perfectly, did it not? Okay, so I, I just want to commend how Ra- Pastor Randy hears the Lord and picks songs. <clears throat> God gave me, as I'm final, finalizing the message on Wednesday afternoon, Hebrews 12, and I didn't understand why. I don't remember song lyrics real well. I remember a lot of other things, but that I don't for some reason. So this morning I come in, and I had been ready to cut Hebrews 12 to just flow into something else. And God was like, no, it's for this moment. And it just fits so beautifully when I heard the sound check. And I just want to tell you that sometimes you think moments are planned and programmed by us. And it's really our Heavenly Father saying, let me show up. So if you're new, welcome We are so glad you're here. When you come out those doors over here, we've got a gift for you at the Welcome Center. Invite all of you, come into the cafe, build community, 
And if you need prayer, you can stay here. Giving is available online or in the boxes. If you're online with us today, we're so glad that you joined us. Let me pray over us. Father, we love you and praise you for all these divine moments, these encounters with you. Jesus, you are good enough to heal any hurt, to create contentment where maybe we have been cluttered with desires and wants. And so, Father, as you continue to bring freedom, help us to see, hear, and know you in new ways. May your invitation to walk with you be so clear that our lives would be overflowing and transforming in ways that we didn't even know were possible. So, Father, may we love you and love all people in our pathway this week as a result. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.